Hey guys, this is M. My novel Dionysus in Wisconsin is out now. You can get it on Amazon, Barnes and Noble, Kobo, bookshop.org, I believe. Um, I'll put a link in the show notes. It's great urban fantasy, historical. There's a little romance in it. You're going to love it. Pick it up today. Anyway, thanks for listening, and I hope you enjoy the episode. Veni, Veni, Venias, and welcome to our podcast. Good evening, and welcome to Ask a Medievalist. I'm M, the Ask portion of our program, and joining me tonight, as always, is Dr. Jesse Noose. Hello! I don't know if you ever saw the film Exit Through the Gift Shop. Oh, yes, yes, yes. Where we get to explore the line between what is graffiti and what is art, seen through the eyes of eventually, uh, apparently Banksy, potentially. We don't know. Like, a guy claims to be Banksy, but he kind of wears, like, a bag over his head, essentially. That might not be Banksy, but I thought the movie was... He was involved. Yes. Somehow. Yes. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So, obviously, like, you've got a bunch of guys going out and spray-painting things, which happens all the time, right? Uh, I think everybody probably, if they didn't do it themselves, they have friend of a friend from their misspent youth who, (laughs) you know, used to tag things or run from the cops or whatever. Um, Oh, we should mention Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse here. Should we? Miles Morales tags, tag stuff. Yeah. Ooh, He's a street artist. Yeah. A young, budding street artist, we should say. Obviously, he's, he's working on his skills. Right. Yes. But obviously, we can tag things in very high places and stuff. (laughs) Yeah, that's true. Um, It's definite advantage that I don't think Peter Parker ever took. You know, no. Peter Parker doesn't take advantage of that type of skill. No, Brooklyn. Yes. Yeah, but But, yeah. So yeah, so you've got these guys who are spray painting things, and the question that the movie kind of raises, and one thing that we're going to kind of talk about today, because we're going to talk about graffiti, spoiler alert, is, like, what's graffiti? What's art? Yes. What is art? (laughs) Let's not talk about that. Let's talk about what is graffiti. What is graffiti? Yeah. So the funny thing here is that um, I will say, you know, I've gone to exhibits of graffiti. We went to one that was, like, ancient graffiti, but I've also been to modern graffiti exhibits, um, the Museum of the City of New York had one i think um and obviously a lot of those artists are now or became ultimately part of the art establishment or at least they may not Mm -hmm. have felt that way but the art establishment eventually sort of reached out to embrace them because of their techniques yeah um banksy has come a long way since the day when he snuck in and like glued his paintings to the wall of a museum like yes now his stuff gets kind of auctioned off for millions and millions of dollars sometimes. Yes. And interesting that he kind of occasionally famously tries to prevent that. <laughs> um, yeah. Which is a reminder, of course, that if you consider yourself a sort of street artist or guerrilla artist, which isn't necessarily the same thing as graffiti, of course, right? But if that mm-hmm. is the type of artist you consider yourself, then maybe you don't want your stuff to send, sell for millions. Um, and so there is, for example, a show just out in the UK called, I think, the 
the outlaws, maybe by that Stephen Merchant produced and probably also wrote in some other stuff. Anyway, um, that's I, all I know of it is that it's about a group of people who are given community service, basically, um, and it's based on. Um, I think Stephen Merchant's mom, but anyway, was in charge of a group of people who did this. Like, that's, you know, was sort of what she did, was be in charge of people who got community service as their sentence. Um, and, um, you know, there are all these sort of interesting people who would show up for different reasons. And so in this show, Christopher Walken is one of the actors playing one of these people doing community service. And they're covering up graffiti. And, you know, he goes to his supervisor and is like, there's this painting of a rat and the woman's like I think it's a female supervisor anyway uh, says all graffiti must be painted over and so he heads off and we see him destroy a Banksy painting which (laughs) apparently he really did and I feel as though somebody possibly Stephen Merchant um, must know who Banksy is and asks but also maybe not but it is the sort of exact thing that Banksy presumably kind of would appreciate that it would get painted over in this way, right? Because it's, the very fact it's getting painted over is a commentary. Yeah. Right? It's not the city coming in and destroying all graffiti. It is a commentary on what it says that the city wants to come in and destroy all graffiti. Right? And um, there's some other famous instances that have turned into sort of cautionary tales um, there was a really famous artist's loft in New York that arguably wasn't so much graffitied as painted on, right? It was an artist's loft, so they had painted on it. Today, we tend to define graffiti as graffiti if it's not legal and art if it is legal, which, of mm-hmm. course, is a kind of silly definition, right? But if someone gives you their wall, you're allowed to do what you want. Yeah. And if you spray paint it on the wall without their permission, then it's considered graffiti. I mean, I will say that I once read an article that I want to say it was in the New York Times magazine. Oh. Um, I haven't been able to find it since. But, like, it was like, what is art? And it was like, well, art's in a museum. That's how you know. It's in a museum. It's art. Right, but that's always a BS. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, you know, if you you got to draw a line somewhere. Right. If Plus, it's not legal, everything in art. It's art. art. If it's illegal, it's graffiti. Right. There you go. Well, but also, like, not everything, obviously, not everything that's art is in a museum, but also, not everything in museums is necessarily art. Hopefully, it's all interesting. Mm-hmm. But, you know, some of it might literally be trash. It's just that it's trash that's like 3,000 years old. So it has historic significance, (laughs) right? I mean, there was also that trash art movement, right? Yes. Uh, Duchamp. But that is different. (laughs) Yes. Yes. That is is slightly different. I mean, (laughs) Um, because, of course, that is, right, when you paint our much or whatever on a urinal, (laughs) that's a commentary, right? Modern (laughs) conceptual whatever it is. But in 4,000 years, that urinal... Any urinal that's still around will be a historic artifact. Look at how people went to the bathroom back in the day. You know? It's true. So, I mean, this is the thing, right? But um, essentially, this artist loft in New York, um, the owner wanted to sell it. And there was this big controversy. It was a, It's a landmark. You know, it was all this stuff. And basically, the owner paid people in the night to go and just paint it over clearly working under the assumption that it's better to ask forgiveness. I mean, this person didn't want forgiveness, but you know, Mm -hmm. legally, that once you've done it, who was going to stop them? 
Right. Well, it turns out, I'm pretty sure this person, I don't know how it all ended up. We can look this up and put it in the notes. People should Google this. But at some point, at least, this person was going to be required to pay the artists, I think, you know, somewhere in the millions split up between all the artists or something Mm -hmm. for having done this and ruined it. Um, And definitely, I don't, I'm sure there was more suing back and forth, but it was clearly supposed to be a kind of cautionary tale that Mm -hmm. just because you own it doesn't mean you get to do that. Right. Right? Um, Particularly because, in this case, they'd been allowed to do this for so long that it had become this sort of historic work. Just because you want to sell it now and you think it'll increase the value... The whole point was, if they sold it as it was, no one would be able to change it, like a historic building. Right? Mm -hmm. And you can't just go and knock down a historic building because you want to be able to build high-rises there. (laughs) Right. (laughs) You know? And then be like, oops, sorry, and pay the fine. Right. Um, and so that's sort of what happened, but it is the sort of interesting commentary. Um, we think of graffiti arguably very differently from the way they sometimes thought about it in the past, mm-hmm. which is say, we think of it automatically, like we just said, as illegal or as defacing property. Yeah. And that is not necessarily how the past always thought about it. Number one. Mm-hmm. Number two, graffiti actually comes in two different forms. One of them is text and one of them is image. Okay. Um, and obviously text can also be image. If you think of a lot of graffiti, you know, is word art, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's sort of this understanding that these two different find Graffiti is sometimes used by, like, art historians, I guess, to refer specifically to text. Um, hmm. It comes from Italian um, to scratch, <laughs> actually. Oh. So it refers, today where you said you have painting because of spray paint, but it, traditionally, of course, it's scratched into the surface, right? Sure. If you, I don't know. Do they still have desks that you can do that yeah, at school? I, I think so. Okay. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> where you can scratch things into like the underside of the desk, you know, when you raise yeah. it up. Yeah. Um, so graffiari in Italian is to scratch. Um, and that's traditionally you're scratching the text um and dipinti or dipinto painted means it's painted those are that was for images which may or may not be painted but (laughs) anyway but it was the sort of but it's a way also of differentiating um you know you could have a scratched image that might be then graffiti versus something Mm -hmm. that's painted so that's actually differentiating it by technique so there's text and there's image, but there's also technique, right? There's scratching and there's painting, basically. Those are the two ways you usually get graffiti. Right. Today, of course, you can, like, slap on decals and stickers that didn't so much exist in the ancient world in the mm-hmm. same way. Um, yeah. Or even the medieval world. You didn't have, like, <laughs> quick stick adhesive in quite the same way. Right. No uh, but no s- stencils that you could easily make. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Stencils were not so much the thing. Pressurized paint. Yeah. (laughs) No spray paint. Yeah. No airbrushing. Um, Yeah. So obviously, but you know, even with that, like painting is still, arguably painting and scratching are still kind of the two techniques we've got, Mm -hmm. I would say, for graffiti. So graffiti tends to be one of those two things. Um, The next thing is, obviously... Because we're going to look into the past. So it's not necessarily illegal or defacing. But we still tend to differentiate between, for example, cave paintings Mm -hmm. and graffiti. And the question in some ways is sort of like, why? (laughs) 
Right. I mean, and I think part of it is is a definition of art, right? People don't look at the cave paintings in France from, you know, 20,000 years ago, 30,000 years ago, and say, oh, that's graffiti, because they're, they're gorgeous. Mm-hmm. You just assume that this must have, have been a purposeful, sacred community type of thing, right? Sure. But that's not 100% sure. It could have been part of a ceremony. Mm-hmm. It could have been, you know, sacred. It could have been any number of things. But it also, on some level, could have been just an artist doing art on a cave wall. In which case, you could be like, well, it's still art because, like, that's they didn't have a canvas. Like, quite mm-hmm. literally, they didn't have canvas. They had a cave. So it's just, it's still just art. Right. Um, but but there are some sort of gray areas, particularly as we're going to see. Um, you can have, you can have um, things that we today wouldn't necessarily consider graffiti, um, but that could be looked at as wall paintings that aren't necessarily, in quotes, art. Mm-hmm. And one of the big examples would be like advertising. So advertising, mm. um, you see pictures of this. We actually have some by us. So we're in Richmond, Virginia, where sometimes old buildings haven't been touched in a long time. Mm-hmm. Or sometimes people have restored stuff, right? So there's some advertisements that were painted on these buildings that have been around for decades. Pretty clearly, in a lot of cases, people have restored them. Richmond has some great yeah. street art. Um, and people do give their walls to stuff. So there's some incredible murals that are, yeah. you know, murals because they're not <laughs> illegal graffiti, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, for like, um, I don't know, Weedabiscuits biscuits or whatever it is. I don't know, whatever. I can't even remember right now what some of the things are for, right? But for like stuff you'd see advertised in the 50s. Coco, yeah. obviously. There's a very few number of buildings um, in downtown Madison where you can sort of see like the ghost images of that sort yeah. of thing. Yeah. Um you see it more in like Chicago or yes. St. Paul or yeah. places like that. But yes. we have we do have a lot of really nice murals nowadays. Good. Yeah. Um yeah, and that's sort of the funny thing. Like so obviously murals are not slaking sort of graffiti. Um and the same has historically been true. I mean people decorated their cities going way back to ancient times. Um, just by painting stuff. Those are usually professional artists. You pay them to paint something on your wall. Obviously, Mm -hmm. that's considered art. Um, But yeah, an advertisement can have this sort of interesting, um, you know, it's a little bit of a middle ground. Mm -hmm. Because it's not just like art, but clearly someone presumably paid to put it there. So today we wouldn't necessarily define it as graffiti. But it, it frequently does come up as graffiti in studies, right? Mm -hmm. Because it's a part of life that isn't fine art, basically. It's the sort of thing that you lose. Um, And so we have very few examples a lot of the time. Um, Pompeii, of course, we're going to talk about a lot because it was preserved. Mm -hmm. And so there are all these amazing things that were preserved that usually are not preserved, right? Um, Other things you can get... Oh, and we should say also, so advertisements. So they're the ones that are painted purposely. But then there is graffiti, right? So you think of the difference of like the big, um, you know, sort of wall-sized ad for Coke, right? And then you think of how someone scratches underneath it 
maybe a different slogan for Coke that they like better, right? Coke has had a few of them over the years, right? Um, or maybe something either vulgar or just, in quotes, witty, mm-hmm. based on the slogan. That, of course, is graffiti. And we get that, certainly, in the ancient world. Oh, yeah. what Or what people like to do, like, scratch out one or two letters in the slogan to make it more vulgar or yes. funnier or something. Yes. Yeah. And you can think anytime you go to a subway or a bus <laughs> or whatever, yes. right? And there's going to be posters or signs where people have used probably just marker mm-hmm. and, you know, even things like drawn mustaches or whatever, right? Yeah. Now, the funny thing, like I said, is in the past, there could be stuff that was defacing, but frequently it wasn't so much defacing as in dialogue with. Now, it could be vulgar, but usually in dialogue with, right? So they wouldn't necessarily scratch out something that was already there, but they would comment on it next to it or below it or something like that, right? Or add or add something, in quotes. Yeah. <laughs> yes. So, um, yeah, so you get things in dialogue. Um, one of the final things you also get, definitely, um, you get political slogans. <laughs> yeah. So um, this is one of the... The funny ones where, you know, people write crap about political candidates to this day. Mm-hmm. We can all think of slogans going around. Um, ones that are both for and potentially against candidates. Um, Ooh, and those get okay. scratched around. Yeah. My favorite. Yes. Uh, back when, several years ago now, sadly... Our amazing Senator Russ Feingold was oh, defeated yes. by a guy um, oh, whose name happened. His first name is Ron. Yes. And, and I his was last walking, name. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, I was walking across campus mm-hmm. and like somebody had done probably he like hired a bunch of street, you know, kids to go around and like do these little um, I probably they're like chalk stencil thing with like his face and the na- Ron uh, and somebody had come and like with a, their own chalk or a spray can or something, they wrote a W on the one side of the R uh, and a G at the end. Brilliant. So transforming it into wrong. wrong. Awesome. And I, uh, I believe, I believe in that person. Yes. <laughs> That's great. Yes. Hopefully his, his last name is Johnson. So I thought there mm-hmm. might've been jokes about that. Which would also be possible. No, I don't think he had it up there. Ah. I, or at least I only remember the wrong He probably part, didn't. So. I mean, because that, yeah. that's too easy a target, really. Yeah. Yes. Um, but yeah, so political slogans, that's another big one. Um, now, the other thing is, like, where you find these. Of course, we find them in public streets, whatever. But interestingly, you also find a lot of stuff. You do find stuff in caves. We'll talk more about caves. Mm-hmm. You also find stuff in houses. So people... So that's why I said, like, graffiti, sometimes it's more of a dialogue. People would leave little messages on the walls in their own houses. They'd be like, hey, whoever. <laughs> yeah. Or, um, I, so, okay, I've seen a lot of photos of people who are, like, what do you call it? Um, pulling up old wallpaper or uh-huh. old flooring and find notes from the previous person that say, like, hi, we refurbished this room in, you know, 1985. Oh, that's fun. Why yeah. Or like, why are you pulling up our wallpaper or something like that? <laughs> that's great. That's funny. These were more, I mean, meant to be read, presumably, like other people in the house. Mm-hmm. Like, we wouldn't think, you know, you scratch on the wall, like, hey, whoever. But, yeah. um, 
Yeah. So there's something interesting there as well, that graffiti in houses is good. People write poetry on the walls mm-hmm. in their houses. Um, Wasn't there a Beatles song about writing phone numbers on the wall? Ooh, there are lots like of songs about... just write, yeah, write their this. phone numbers that they wanted to remember on the wall instead of having a notepad oh, or yes. something. Yes. Yeah. Well, that used to be a very common thing. You did it by the telephone. Mm-hmm. You might have written them all down the wall. Yeah, people's <laughs> important numbers. Yeah. Because, absolutely. kids, phones used to be stationary. I know. I know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. We were what? talking about the yes. Matrix before we started recording, and I, I just know. feel like, who would have thought the most yes. absolute part of that movie is the landline telephone? <laughs> yep. Phone, phone booths. Superman has nowhere oh to change. Oh, my God. Yeah. Yeah. All the things. I mean, Doctor Who ran into that, but... It's a little different. Anyway. Yeah. Yeah. So um, that's another interesting thing, right? People would write in their own houses. Also, there's tons of graffiti in sacred places, right? People would, you know, write prayers to the gods, essentially, mm-hmm. or just, you know, dedicate things, you know? So you'd know they dedicated something because it's scratched in a wall or a rock or something nearby. Mm-hmm. It'll be, you know, so-and-so sends you this or so-and-so dedicates this to whichever god Mm -hmm. um so graffiti could be could be itself sacred actually which is why it brings us back to the idea of sort of things like cave paintings i mean they could be sacred but they could also be graffiti so there's something Mm -hmm. interesting about that um and then of course we have the usual we have love we have scatological humor we have vulgar humor (laughs) and (laughs) otherwise um and we have the things that just like you know so-and-so was here Right. Yes. Or so and so and such and such are great friends or, you know. Yeah. So we, we absolutely get those as well. Um, I, all, you know, so we have all the same things we have today, but we also arguably have a wider range of things that today we don't necessarily think of as graffiti. Yeah. So we should say one of the really important things about graffiti, it can give us hints about literacy, right? Because um, people who drew a picture could be literate <laughs> or not, depending but people who scratched words were definitely literate. Right. Sometimes their grammar isn't perfect. This is how graffiti is. Life of Brian. We can all remember. Yes. He's <laughs> uh, the Ro- Romani Ite. Right. Domum. Yes. 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 And at first he goes with Ant, which of course is pointed out like that's Romans Argo home. <laughs> you need the imperative. Yes, we the plural. And then um, you need the, you know, for home, you need the right locative. So, um, yes, right. So the, the grammar doesn't always fit perfectly, but frequently it's pretty good, you know. Mm-hmm. But it does give us these sort of hints about literacy and what literacy was, um, which is also very interesting because obviously graffiti is, it could certainly be done by people who are elite and well educated and skilled at mm-hmm. drawing. You know, some graffiti is very skillful, which is why. You know, sometimes it is context. You're like, well, this seems to be contextually not something that someone paid them to do, but it's of the level of skill that they might have been paid to do things like this, right? Yeah. Um, But obviously, anyone can scratch something in something, right? So it's not necessarily (laughs) skilled or elite. Um, So it's a really, it gives you a really wide range potentially of what people are doing or thinking about. And it's, of course, meant to be seen by other people. Even if it's in a private house, there are plenty of other people who are expected to see it. So it tells you that there is an audience for this. Mm -hmm. Right? 
um, unlike other types of art, which may or may not have been made for an audience, you know, um, graffiti is almost always, we assume, meant to be read or witnessed by others. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, Okay, we're going to also say, so some of the pictures or symbols that show up that we don't know what they mean, frequently people are like, oh, they are warding off evil. They are apotropaic. <laughs> um, and that's what people say about everything that they don't know what it is. So we're just right. going to say that <laughs> maybe it was, maybe it wasn't. Um, but it's also worth pointing out that graffiti, again, not just that it wasn't necessarily seen as defacing things, but it wasn't necessarily removed. I mean, it wasn't removed a lot of the time, which is why we have so much of it. Only weather and time wore it away. And unfortunately, it can be fragile, right? So Pompeii, mm -hmm. um, it was recognized immediately. They start, uh, you know, writing it down and trying to catalog it in the mid-1800s. Um, but, you know, over the next hundred years, it's a good thing they started cataloging it because a lot of stuff that they uncovered did disappear, right? It got worn away now that it was exposed to the elements. So they're now they preserve it. They try and cover it and stuff. If it's something they can take out of the wall and put in a museum, they do... Mm -hmm. um, but they try and protect it better now. Um, but it is sort of worth remembering also that, you know, we have so much graffiti because in the ancient world, they didn't necessarily think it was not even just important to get rid of it. But I mean, it wasn't necessarily seen as horrible the way we see it today, I guess. Sure. Um, so, all right. Um, also, of course, graffiti is really difficult to date. This is one of the things about something like Pompeii. Where you know, you know it wasn't written after seventy nine, right. CE. <laughs> like, yes. Um, and because Pompeii was such a sort of prosperous town, um, you know, if people are name checked and stuff, or if things are in certain houses, you kind of know probably when they were built or who lived there or stuff like this. So it's mm -hmm. really a treasure trove in ways that are hard to explain, almost right. Because um, if you come across something like a medieval church, it could have been there, you know, you basically usually have a few hundred years that you're working with. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, cause I was going like, to say, like, some of them, like, what do you say, like Notre Dame, that you have a thousand years yeah. that has stood there. Right. And you you know, you know, you might be able to tell um, that it had to have been here by X date or it couldn't have been here before X date. Mm -hmm. But even, you know... You say the style of something, quote unquote, like someone could do a ship graffiti is really popular, mm -hmm. not even just on coasts. Ships show up all over the place. Um, and so so do a lot of animals. And it could be like, well, ships, this ship is in this style and this style was a ship that they used during X time. But the problem is like that's frequently a few hundred years. Mm -hmm. um, and so unless it's a really specific type of ship, it doesn't necessarily help you. Right. right. So, um, yeah. So these are sort of the issues. But somewhere like Pompeii, Pompeii can be really helpful. Um, speaking of, so in Pompeii, which isn't that big a town, um, there's also Herculaneum, which is mm -hmm. less famous, but was bigger. Um, I don't know population, but space-wise, I think it's a bigger site. This is did my it, impression. Did it get mm -hmm. covered to the same extent? Yes. Or... Um, and it hasn't, it hasn't been uncovered to the same extent, I think. Oh, okay. Pompeii, like, why is Pompeii so famous? Well, because it was so well preserved and it, it was the, um, it was a really, um, important 
town. I mean, it's not as important as it is today, obviously. <laughs> mm-hmm. But it was this, like... Um, I don't know. It'd be a little bit like if Santa Barbara suddenly got preserved <laughs> with all the, but all the mansions of all the yeah. famous people who live there, you know? Okay. And it's not like there are a lot of poor people who live there exactly. Pompeii mm-hmm. had some people who were poor. It's not like they didn't. Of course they did. All places do, but, um, yeah. yeah. So it's a very, it's exquisite because there are these, all these like really high class noble things that you, that are preserved. Mm-hmm. Um, and then also community life, you know, all the shops, great shopping. <laughs> yes. Food, you know. Bars. Um, yeah, all this stuff. Brothels. Yep. Famously, the brothel. Famously. Yeah. So, um, so all this stuff that's there that just got preserved, right? Um, so it's this really sort of, it was this kind of high class, nice resort place, you know. Um, so it's got, at at least, right, at the, as of now, and there's probably tons more that just they haven't found yet or uncovered yet, um, over 11,000 examples of graffiti. Um, wow. Yes. Graffiti, of course, is plural. Graffito would be singular. Yeah. Um, as I said, in homes, in public spaces, in businesses, um, it's, some of it's literary, some of it's, you know, poetry even. There's just names, right? People be like, I was here. There's erotic sure. stuff. Everything. Um, there's. It should also be noted, by the way, that I mentioned writing in desks earlier. Mm-hmm. Um, most graffiti is presumed to be done by adults. We also mentioned Miles Morales earlier, who, of course, is a kid as well. Yeah, talked a lot about our, my misspent youth. Yes. Yes. So um, there, we're going to run into a few books and things. Um, there's Matthew Champion's Medieval Graffiti that's about England specifically. There's Mary Beard's books. Well, she's got a book on Pompeii, and then she's got a book, SPQR. These sort of talk about graffiti. They talk about a ton of stuff. Big graffiti's in them as well. Um, there's a book, Ancient Graffiti in Context, that's edited by Beard and Taylor. Um, and then Keegan has a book, Graffiti in Antiquity. Hmm. And um, in Catherine Huntley, in Ancient Graffiti, has an article on the attempt to define children's graffiti, which usually is sort of based on, we all know a kid's drawing in crayon when we see one, right? Um, sure. You have stick arms and legs and probably like little three pointy things coming off the hand for fingers. Mm-hmm. Um, you have kind of like, like a triangle really, for the body or something, <laughs> right? <laughs> a really weird number of teeth if you're my child, but that's fine. Potentially, yes. I don't yeah. know... If there might not be teeth in these just because, you know, you're scratching this into yeah. a surface, right? Um, but so she sort of tries to identify base kind of on, on that look, right? On the, now, the thing is, of course, adults could also draw things like that. I mean, some adult cartoonists do draw their cartoons like that. Mm-hmm. But you still have better motor skills when you're an adult, yeah. right? So she's sort of arguing that you can kind of differentiate this is an adult who's just doing a stick drawing and this is a kid doing the drawing um and i i would say her you know her um examples are definite definite possibilities right where this there's sort of stick figures that you're like oh yeah th- that's what kids still draw today <laughs> right? yeah uh, but in this case they have scratched them into things right so you do potentially have kids graffiti so mm-hmm. it is worth pointing that out like you you do potentially um this is again this issue where 
um, unlike, you know, today you might have, like, a room that's dedicated, like, this is your child's bedroom or playroom, right? Mm -hmm. Um, And in Roman houses, for example, you wouldn't necessarily have a room that was dedicated to your kids. So you can't necessarily be like, oh, this was the child's Mm -hmm. bedroom playroom, so anything on the wall is theirs. (laughs) But you can nonetheless try to do this and be like, oh, yes, well, this probably was a kid in this house drawing on the walls. Um, Which has always happened, of course. Um, Okay, so we have, um, so that's that. But now we're going to jump to sort of the the other side. Um, So one of the common phrases, it's in at least three places in Pompeii, is someone having written graffiti on a wall. Well, a graffito, but there are three of them. So um, that says, I'm going to just translate it. Um, I'm amazed that you haven't fallen down, oh wall. <laughs> Loaded as you are with all this scrawl. That might be, I think that's Beard's translation specifically. Um, so it's someone scratching graffiti in the wall that comments on how much graffiti is already on the wall. Mm-hmm. Right, and so nice. there are at least a few walls that have this. Um, which is, you know, it's one of those people being funny. I mean, it's the sort of thing that you still see today if you go into certain bathroom stalls and someone will be like, wow, I can't believe all this stuff people have written here. <laughs> so, yeah. you know, that's basically what's going on. Um, yeah, so this is the ancient version of that. Um, interestingly, so this is where we get into Pompeii as, as a very interesting place. Um, Mary Beard says, um, I think in SPQR, that there are more than 50 examples of Virgilian graffiti in Pompeii. Oh. Which is to say graffiti that is based on Virgil, usually just the first line of the first or second book, because they were just famous, right? Right. Like, to be or not to be, or whatever. Um, and so, I mean, they're famous today, too, right? Arma, Worum, Kwe, Kano, I sing the arms of the man. Um, so one of the ones that's in a lot of books about this but apparently there are, right, there are a lot of examples. And this means that it was expected, again, right, not just that the person writing it knows Virgil, but that it's expected that enough people reading it are going to know Virgil, right? right? So this had to be a sort of famous line. You don't expect that everyone has read Hamlet, but you expect most people to know Red or Sin. Yeah. But, right, people to be recognize the line. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Um, so there's one, um, there's a, f- a fuller's or a fullery, um, fuller's basically they cleaned wool cloth as part of the cloth making process. Um, this is what a fuller did. It's obviously still well, a name oh, that's around. Is, this is, this is the thing that you have to like, you, you weave something with the yarn and then you have to like kind of plump it up. Mm-hmm. I think. Yeah. And you got to clean it to get all the dirt <clears throat> out. Cause this is wool. Yeah. Right? So you right, gotta clean it. You gotta kind of dirty. Yeah. Um, and so Fuller's also, so that's, that's technically what a Fuller does. That's throughout the Middle Ages. But in Rome, in the Roman world, Fuller's could also basically be launderers, mm-hmm. which is because they were cleaning out, they were cleaning sure. walls part of the process. So they also served as like a laundry, basically, where you could take your, you know, laundry to the Fuller's. Mm-hmm. Um, and so there's a, a Fuller's in Pompeii. There's more than one, but this one has, paintings on the wall um there's a depiction of romulus 
Um, and this is on the outside, right? So this is like, you know, they paid someone to paint a mural on their, or, well, paint sure. a painting, you know, on their, on their wall. Um, so one is Romulus and another is Aeneas carrying his father out of Troy. Okay. Which is the sort of famous moment in the Aeneid, right? Yeah. Carrying his father out on his shoulders. Um, and someone, clearly this was iconic, you know, so it was recognizable. You were supposed to know who these people were. <laughs> mm-hmm. Someone wrote underneath the picture, um, Felones Yululamque Kano, Non Arma Werumque. I sing of fullers and an owl, not arms and a man. <laughs> apparently the owl well the owl is um minerva's bird right athena mm-hmm. minerva um and she's sort of the patron of fullers right she's a also the goddess of weaving yes right? of craft yeah yeah um and so yeah so there's someone playing on the fact that there's this painting of aeneas on the fullers Right. Um, and so they have commented underneath as a kind of parody. Right. Um, that this one yes. right, is not I sing of arms and the man. Right. Which, is, of course, is the opening line. Um, I sing of fullers and an owl. <laughs> um, yeah. So it's somebody having fun anyway. So that's, you know, pretty sophisticated, witty graffiti, I would say. Um but right, so but Pompeii's sort of full of it. So it's a reminder again of how, um, you know, we have started to take graffiti seriously today. Mm-hmm. But the past also definitely took it seriously in in various ways. I mean, of course, this is funny, but um, it's still important, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's sort of an interesting moment. Yeah. Um, okay, so um, other things that we get. Uh, so there's some actual poetry. There's a bar in Pompeii um, with an actual sort of poem. Nothing can last forever. Once the sun has shone, it returns beneath the sea. The moon, once full, eventually wanes. Uh, the violence of the winds often turns into a light breeze. Wow. Yeah. Um, I feel like so- that person was just like sitting there drinking for a really long time. <laughs> yes. Yeah. You know, it's also the sort of thing like, I don't know that Joyce or Yates might have written in their bar if yeah. whatever, right? Um, Probably did, honestly. Yes. But it's all, right, but it's a sort of fun reminder that, um, you know, it was like, obviously it was left there. Mm-hmm. So, I don't know, maybe you were allowed to like scratch a poem into the bar if you couldn't pay for your food. Who knows? <laughs> I mean, but anyway, so the sort of possibilities, but um, yeah, I mean, so also the, like, the graffiti didn't have to be sort of vulgar or or funny, or witty, right? That you could get real real poetry, so to speak. That being said, there were certain places where people didn't want graffiti written. So there is an example from Pompeii where someone had just, you know, refinished something apparently and wrote <laughs> in the wall, if someone writes something here, may he rot and his name be pronounced no more. Wow. Yes. Okay. Um, now, curses were not uncommon, of course, as graffiti, right? I hate so-and-so or whatever. Made the sure. cats curse him. Like, that's pretty common. But in this case, it's a little bit like the library book curses, right? You're, you're scratching this in the wall, yeah. but to make sure nobody else starts scratching stuff in the wall. Right. Um, this also brings up an interesting point, because one of the big things in the ancient world, um, in 
Greece, which definitely has its own share of graffiti everywhere, uh, were ostraca. And I don't know if I count those as graffiti in the same way. Um, we get the term ostracized from ostraca because you every, you know, now and then they would vote. And if, you know, you would write down the name of the person you thought should be booted out of the city for however many, <laughs> 10 years, basically. And yes. if, you know, they got enough votes, they would be. And so this gets put under mm. the heading of graffiti a lot because you scratch it in a pot on a pot shard, which is mm -hmm. ostrich. That's where we get the. And um, you know, then they were all counted. I don't know. I see why it's graffiti. I mean, literally, it's scratched on the pot shard, so it is graffiti in that sense. Mm -hmm. um, but it's a form of voting, like it's a ballot. Mm -hmm. I don't know that. So that. But that's out there, potentially, as, as a type of graffiti, if we want to mention it. Um, okay, so now, one of the other things that can happen, as today, right? You go, again, bathroom stalls, generally. Um, you see someone's written something, and someone else will have written something underneath answering it. So you get that as well. You'll get dialogues in, you know, in stuff. Um, so Rebecca um, Benefiel in Ancient Graffiti, she works in some of the houses in Pompeii, sort of documenting what's in the houses. Um, and one of the things that she found when I said that people would write stuff in the houses, um, there's one where people are always writing like, hi, you know, greetings to whoever, right? Which of course is like Wale and Salutem in Latin. Um, but this is inside the house where people have written, um, take care, Anthus, Quartilla, bye, see you, Nicopolis, <laughs> right? Um, and these are written to women in the house. Hmm. Are they written by women to women? We don't know. We don't know who wrote them. But it says something about female literacy, that it's assumed mm -hmm. that the women could, could certainly have read them and maybe wrote some of them to each other. <laughs> who knows? <laughs> um, but it's a, it's a sort of funny thing, right? So, and those are actually in the house. Um, also, she pointed out that there's somewhere where someone wrote up, presumably the person themselves, um, Agatho, the slave of Herennius, asks Venus... So this is a reminder that to be enslaved in Rome was a bit different from other places, right. potentially, right? That you, like, Terence was a famous playwright and got freed because of that, right? So you could potentially read and write. Lots of slaves, people who were enslaved in Rome could, because that might be one of the things you did, was like mm -hmm. you were a secretary, basically. So Agatho has apparently wanted to ask Venus for something, but didn't complete the thought, right? Maybe they didn't want to write it on the actual wall, whatever it is they wanted to ask Venus. Yeah. But wanted to, but this is an example sort of a dedication, right? You want it, which is why, as I said, graffiti, not exactly the way we think of it today, right? You, mm -hmm. you have to have it marked out there, right? So that Venus knows that you're asking, right? Um, sure. This isn't like the private prayer that we get like sort of later with Christianity. This is like, you got to put it out there. <laughs> um, so on the wall, we don't know what the prayer was. That was private, but Agatho has named himself, right? And mm -hmm. asks Venus. And someone else put next to it, I ask that he die. <laughs> Which oh is Oh my cool. god. Yes, somebody being a jerk. Right? This okay. is what you get. You get it today in bathroom stalls, you got it then. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, sure. And it's funny, because actually one of the things she says is that um, people were a lot nicer in their graffiti back then. It obviously depends. Right. So another fun example, this is Keegan um, in Graffiti and Antiquity, um, that there's the 
Basilica at Pompeii, sort of known as the Basilica. I mean, obviously it wasn't a basilica exactly, yeah. but um, someone had scratched in it. Um, farewell, Caius, my companion. I pierced am desolate since I heard you were dead, and so farewell. Um, so that's a sort of interesting, right? I get that you sort of, to put it out there, mm-hmm. right? You sort of make that mark so it, it lasts. Um, there's another inscription about Caius that is not so fond. Um, and that refers that possibly Caius had hemorrhoids that bothered him, and this person is hoping that they're even worse. Wow. It may or may not be the same person, right? So we don't know. That is brutal. <laughs> yes. Yes. Um, okay. So that it might not be the same person. It's worth pointing out that Caius and Pyrrhus um, are probably both of Greek lineage, in Pompeii. I mean, this is an international, you know, Rome is international, mm-hmm. obviously. So is Greece. So um, we don't know if the other, but, you know, it doesn't mean that this Caius was the only person there named Caius. So the other one might not be the same person. Who knows? Um, but we have one, this sort of very sad, I miss you, my friend. And then a different one to maybe the same, maybe to a different Caius that is. Uh, I hope your hemorrhoids are really bad. Yep are burning more than ever or something like that. Oh my gosh. Anyways. Yep. Um, Okay. So those are some fun ones. Um, Here's some political ones. So these are scratched. These aren't like official slogans necessarily. Um, One of them might be one of them pretty clearly isn't. Um, But one of them says, um, I beg you to make C. Julius Polybius um, a magistrate. He makes good bread. Okay. <laughs> yes. Um, these are his credentials. I suppose that's what makes him a good citizen of Pompeii. And, you know, there you are. That's the same credentials you have today frequently when you're running for something like magistrate is you do something else well. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so that's one of that. Um, and then there's another one, another political one elsewhere that says all the late night drinkers are canvassing um, for Marcus Carinius Vatia. To be magistrate. Watia. Yeah. So that that is presumably not what Marcus was using as his slogan. But, um, you know, someone commenting presumably on the type of person supporting yes. <laughs> the magistrate. Yeah. Um, all right. So those are, right, that's just a sort of sample of some of the different ones there that we got. Um, okay. So now this is Pompeii. So obviously it is very famous for its brothel. Um, it, there also occasionally there are phalluses carved in the streets. That's not necessarily graffiti because that's carving. They're carved like other cobblestones. Um, people, you might read rumors that were like, oh, the phalluses are like pointing your, the way to the brothels. No, that does not seem to be true. This is just, you know, who knows, right? Sometimes you carve phalluses. That's whatever. It's the ancient world. I read an anthropological article about a town in like northern Thailand where they put phalluses on the like on the doorposts of their house to protect huh. people from certain types of ghosts. There you go. I mean, so. they could be aprotropaic. Mm-hmm. Who is to say? Yes. Um, you know, they're like the Magical herms. protective phallus. Yes. Well, the herms, um, which were statues of Hermes or even sometimes just the head of Hermes on a pillar with a phallus carved, um, mm-hmm. protected crossroads. So that's Greece. But, you know, yeah. Who's, you know, these things, these things last. Um, but yeah, so um, we're going to talk about some of the more 
you know, body things. Um, it's worth pointing out, though, that this isn't just graffiti, right? The ancient world, we talked about obscenity in a previous one, the ancient world had a lot different sort of sense, in some ways, of what would be obscene mm-hmm. <laughs> and what might not be obscene. Um, and so Mary Beard points out um, that there's a bar in Ostia um, from this bar is from about the second century CE. So our side of the year zero um, where there's a painting, not graffiti, right? There's a f- real Someone paid for it, right? A painting of sort of the seven sages. Some of them are missing now, but uh, there are at least three who are still there. Um, Thales of Miletus, Solon of Athens, and Chilon of Sparta. And they're sort of seated on fancy chairs with scrolls. But the sayings with them are not from their works. (laughs) (laughs) They are about pooping. Hmm. Um, So... One of them is um, Thales advised those who poop hard to really work at it. Poop is, of course, not the word being used. Shit is the word being used. But all right. Um, Let's see. Solon. um, The phrase was Solon. It says um, to poop well, Solon stroked his belly. And then we have um, cunning Kylon taught how to fart without making a noise. Oh my god. And then, so this is them. And then beneath them um, is another row of figures, just ordinary people, seated on the seats of one of those, like, multi-seat communal lavatories that they had. Yes. Saying things... were so weird. Yes. And they're saying things like, jump up and down and you'll go quicker. (laughs) Stuff like that. Oh my god. (laughs) Yeah. So that's a painting that someone paid to put in a bar. Now, it's a bar. Right. Plenty of bars today have... Um, you know, depending on how dive bar we're talking, there might be questionable stuff painted on the walls, naked, whatever, right? Um, And like kind of kitschy, questionable artwork in the bathrooms for sure. Absolutely. Yeah. So obviously this is something that has been true for thousands of years, right? I love it. (laughs) But it's also just kind of a reminder that not everything like that has to be graffiti, right? Mm -hmm. Um, That being said... All right, here's some of the fun stuff that we've got from Pompeii and uh, Herculaneum. All right, so in a tavern, um, we've got Restituta. Um, Take off your tunic, please, and show us your hairy privates. Um, Then we have another one in a brothel that says, Weep, you girls. My phallus has given you up. Now it penetrates men's behinds. Goodbye, femininity. (laughs) All right, let's see. Um... There's another one in a bar. This one isn't necessarily body. This is just uh, here we were sort of one. Um, we two dear men, friends forever, were here. If you want to know our names, they are Gaius and Aulus. Um, so where? Um, we've got Secundus says hello to his prima wherever she is. I ask my mistress that you love me. All right. So that's, okay. you know, there are a lot of more true loved ones. Um, there's a one written outside someone's house that's like, you know, I wish you were here and I would cover you with kisses. Something like this. Um, then there's ones that say, in a bar, someone wrote, I screwed the barmaid. <laughs> We've got another one in the barracks, where the gladiators hung out. Um, it says, Floronius, privileged soldier of the 7th Legion, was here. The women did not know of his presence. Only six women came to know, too few for such a stallion. 
Okay, dude. Um, yes. Another, I mean, some of these, again, certain things haven't changed in thousands of years. It's just yeah. how it is. Yeah. Um, Antiochus hung out here with his girlfriend, Kythera. Okay. So there you are. <laughs> That's his nerd. Um, there's one in a house that says, watch it, you that poops in this place. May you have Jove's anger if you ignore this. Um, I wonder okay. if this person had a problem with guests pooping where they weren't supposed to. I don't know. I don't know. Um, there's one on a wall. That says, Theophilus, don't perform oral sex on girls against the city wall like a dog. Okay. Yeah? Fair. Um, How many times did Theophilus do this that somebody felt the need to come and carve this? Well, is it someone who was annoyed that he always seemed to be doing it? Or is it someone who just didn't like him and wanted to put this out there that this is what he did? (laughs) Right. We never know, right? It could be either. Right. Because, like, that's not... <clears throat> That's not a short number of words to carve, even no. in English. No. So. Um, yeah. And then there's some, there's also some fun ones that are sort of just funny and hopeful that are like, um, so Gaius Sabina says a fond hello to Statius, traveler, you eat bread in Pompeii, but you go to Nucaria to drink. At Nucaria, the drinking is better. Oh my god. So yeah. So apparently, you know, they didn't like the bars in Pompeii. It's like a... It's like like you find in a guidebook. It's like yes, have well, dinner a, here, but then go to this other place. Yes, another one is really fun. Actually, um, the finance officer of Emperor Nero said this food is poison. <laughs> so apparently, okay. they okay. did not like that restaurant or that guy's cooking or wherever they were. Um, there's another one that just says Ophidius was here. <laughs> Goodbye. <laughs> <laughs> right, that's one. Like that's about as classic as you can get. You know, so and so was here. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, all right, there's another one, again, in the barracks, of course, right? Um, Kelidus, the Thracian, makes the girls moan. All right. Um, and then there's one that says, um, you know, Publius Comicius Restutus stood right here with his brother. Mm, there's another here. one that says, you know, um, Hectus Mercatus says hello to you. All right. Um, and then there's another sort of restaurant critic. Um, <laughs> with it, you pay for all your tricks, innkeeper. You sell us water and keep the good wine for yourself. We've talked about how the you know world has always been sure that innkeepers and so on were cheating people at alcohol. Yes. Um, there's another one. This is a nice one. Um, if anyone does not believe in Venus, they should gaze at my girlfriend. Oh. Yes. <laughs> um, there's a different type of one. Edemidas got me pregnant. Hmm. Yep. Um, I don't want to sell my husband, not for all the gold in the world. That's nice. That's sweet. Um, there's another one. I screwed a lot of girls here. <laughs> all right. So we sort of get the get the gist, I would say. Yeah. Um, oh, we do get some of the ones, again, of course, that you still get today, but... If anyone sits here, let him read this first. If anyone wants a screw, he should look for Addis. She cost four sesterti. <laughs> okay. Right? That's one of those, like, if you want to, whatever, call. For a good X time. Number. Yes, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Um, then, of course, there are the usual, um, you know, insults. Um, Phileros is a eunuch. At Prafra, you are bald. <laughs> Samus Cornelius, go hang yourself. Um, all right. So there are a ton of those. Um now it's worth pointing out, so a lot of these, I, there are a lot of girl ones. There also are a lot that are definitely same-sex guy 
um, graffiti. Some of them are derogatory and some of them are not. Mm-hmm. Um, this is, of course, incredibly common because, you know, in the Greek world, it was more accepted for sure. I mean, the homosexuality was built into the Greek world in various ways. It wasn't is built into the Roman world, but it obviously mm-hmm. definitely existed across the Roman world as well. I mean, it's always existed. That's but, you know, not until you sort of hit Christianity, do you get a lot of the morality stuff that we get today. Um, right. The Romans had potential issues with masculinity and homosexuality, but, you know, because of Greek culture, they it was a little bit different from the way we, we view mm-hmm. it, for sure. Um, but um, it's worth pointing out, so some really interesting graffiti shows up in Thera, the Greek island. Um, there's a temple to Apollo that was by a gymnasium. Which, of course, is where young men, you know, Mm -hmm. worked out and learned and did sport and stuff. Um, And there's a lot of same-sex male graffiti in this area on the rocks. Okay. I guess Um, I believe it. (laughs) Yes. So, um, for example, um, we have just some, you know, some of the usual ones, I guess. Um, that are the names of the people who slept together, right? <laughs> um, so, Phidippus had sex, Timagoras and Nephris had sex, um, and Pylos had sex, and Pedocles inscribed this and danced by Apollo. All right. <laughs> okay. Um, and then by Delphinius Apollo, here Crimen penetrated the son of Bathycles, brother of someone. Who um, here, That's quite a Crimen. genealogy. Yes. Yeah. Hey, you don't have a lot of time, so you're just... Yeah. I mean, you do have a lot of time, right? You're just hanging out. Um, Alright, here, Crimen had sex with um, Amotin. Um, we have Lucky Didis is good. We're not sure what. It doesn't specify, but who knows. Um, Eumelus is the best dancer. Okay. Um, Crimen, first in Cunialos, charmed Simeus. Um, okay, so we got a chunk of those. Um, and then we have some, um, Arisimus is beautiful. Um, and Thamia appears beautiful to Isk. Somebody? Missing the rest of it. Um, and then we have some commenting, um, Minocratus is beautiful and dear to Lysiclus. Okay. Okay. So this is basically, and then we have some more vulgar ones that are commenting on for people's preferred sexual positions and such. Um, but anyhow, but this is like this slew of graffiti that was presumably sort of, you know, left by all the different guys <laughs> at the gymnasium that's kind of about who's sleeping with whom and who loves whom and, you know, all that stuff. Right. Um, and that's, you know, it's a, that's a graffiti we don't get as much of today in quite the same way. Maybe starting to, but, um, you know, didn't. <laughs> for for a while, quite in the same way. Um, so, you know, it's just also a reminder that, like, it's there's a variety of stuff. Um, the missing group, of course, tends to be women. Right? That you don't have as many graffiti. You don't have as much graffiti that you can demonstrate was written by women. Um, or to women. Right. Obviously, there's plenty written about women. But frequently by men... Although sometimes you don't know. Some of it could have been written by other women, right? But you don't know. So it's sort of that problem. But there we go. Um, 
All right. So let's see. We should move our way down to, I think, I think we've covered most of the, um, let's see. Oh, here's another love one. This is just a sort of nice little one. Would that I could wrap my arms around your neck and cover your lovely lips with kisses. Mm-hmm. Um, or let whoever loves prosper, but let the person who doesn't know how to love die. And let the one who outlaws love die twice. Wow. All right. Okay. Yeah. So there we go. Um, so that's sort of our big, you know, all the stuff that we kind of recognize from today um, that people are writing. And people are also drawing pictures of animals and stuff. Animals always make good graffiti. Mm-hmm. So now we're going to jump a little bit because we have this sort of really interesting and very, very famous graffito um, from Rome, from the Palatine Hill. It might be as early as the second century CE. We don't know. It might be a little bit later. So it might be, it's late antiquity. It might or might not be on the cusp of the Middle Ages. Um, it seems to be somewhat early. So maybe second century CE. Um, and it's known as the Aleximenos Graffito. Um, and it depicts <laughs> um, Aleximenos, presumably, um, this figure, arms outstretched, praying to um, a man with a donkey head on a cross. And it says, Aleximenos worships God, presumably his his God. Um, yeah. This is probably, this is pretty clearly left by someone who was, you know, were in Rome, probably in the second century CE. This is very early. So Rome is not Christian. This is left by someone who is not Christian, who does not like the fact that Luximenos is Christian. What makes this so interesting is it's an incredibly, incredibly early depiction of Jesus on the cross, apparently. Um, the donkey head was a sort of apparently common, um, I don't know, slur or stereotype about Christian and possibly also Jewish God. Romans didn't necessarily differentiate a whole lot quite yet between Christians and Jews. They did, but also didn't quite. The cross was not yet the obvious Christian symbol, right? Um, the whole point of it was that it was this sort of, you know, derogatory, ignominious death um, that someone should be ashamed of, right? Mm -hmm. And so it wasn't yet sort of the obvious symbol of Christianity. So it's a really interesting early depiction, clearly from the point of view of someone who is not Christian. Yeah. Making fun of this person who would be worshipping a god who died on a cross, who's supposed to have this sort of donkey head, which might be like taken from Anubis or something. It's not quite clear where this comes from. <laughs> who knows? Um, but it might just be, you know, a misunderstanding of his translation somewhere along the way. Who knows? But anyway. Um, but yeah, and so this really interesting moment um, of this is kind of graffiti as we think of it. Which is to say, it's got an image and text. It's derogatory. Um, it's it's called sometimes, you know, blasphemous. Which, of course, the person who wrote it didn't think it was. <laughs> right. But the person reading it would have, probably. Yes, the person it was aimed at certainly would have. Um, but it is this sort of really interesting moment of... Um, obviously this cross, right? <laughs> the end of kind of the rule of paganism and the just before Christianity is going to sort of take over, you know, just before a couple centuries, but nonetheless, right, before Christianity is going to sort of take over. Um, before the cross is really the main symbol, so an early usage of it, but in this case as an insult, 
right? It's part of the insult. Um, and it, it does clearly a lot of things that we sort of expect graffiti to, to do, mm-hmm. right? Which is to say that it's, it is derogatory in this way. It's insulting. It uses a picture and words, right? Um, and yeah, and it's at the Palatine. So it's this really kind of interesting, um, graffito <laughs> hanging out. Um, and this sense of, you know, a moment of change, basically, in the world. Um, and that kind of brings us to the Middle Ages, right? Where you are going to get graffiti in churches, for sure. Um, and we've talked before, like, pilgrim's badges, we talked about stuff in the margins of manuscripts. Um, graffiti is kind of similar, right? It, it kind of exists in the margins, a lot of times we don't know what it means. <laughs> um, once again, even in the Middle Ages, there are ships everywhere. Mm-hmm. Lots of ship graffiti. Okay. Um, obviously in coasts, but not just in coasts. So in coasts, there's a lot of ship graffiti in churches. And you assume it's kind of like people hoping that the ships come home safe. Right? Right. But it's not just on the coasts. So is it people inland who have friends or family who work at the coast or is it does it become a more symbolic um image for Mm -hmm. safe travel or something right it it's hard to know like we absolutely don't know um another really really big symbol in medieval english churches is not just english but it's a big one um are designs made with circles so mm. sometimes they're flowers. There's the sort of what's called the hex foil, which kind of means like a sign against witches. Yeah, I think I've heard about that. Mm-hmm. Um, also that there was a tradition of like boring holes in the wall of the church. to like take, take the stuff, take the part of the church to make. Yeah, well, this is more. Or something. Um, this is more the idea that it's, it's a little unclear. Mm-hmm. Um, there's one theory that says that designs made of circles. So, you know, if you draw circles all the place, you can end up creating like flowers and petals and interesting stuff. We'll put up some images, but, um, so it's like a lot of Venn diagrams all together, right? Yeah. And you get these really interesting designs. Um, and one theory is that there's sort of this endless line. And so the evil kind of gets trapped in there and can't get out. Um, they're, I don't know, they're various theories. Okay. It's not really clear, again, why or wherefore. Also, how are they made? And so some of them may have been made by carpenters or stonemasons who had mm-hmm. compasses. But it's quite possible that others were made by just ordinary people with scissors. Or shears. Oh. I guess so. Yeah, that would work. Yeah, which would absolutely work. Um, and Matthew Champion, who's written some about this, suggests that they're, they're sort of all over. Sometimes some of them are near the baptismal font, which is a suggestion that they are sort of meant to ward off evil, because that's why you put them around the font. But they're mm-hmm. not just there. There are other places as well. Um, and he actually suggests that even women might have made the ones around the font. Who knows? Mm. Um, but they do exist, you know, because women had access to scissors, right? But they certainly exist sort of throughout churches. Um, what are they doing? You know, they're really sort of well-known. They're these sort of fun and crit designs. Um... They might very well be against evil, but mm-hmm. like that seems to make sense, but also it can be hard to know. Um, you also get lots of animals, 
for sure. Um, you know, like birds and such. Um, and then you get the occasional sort of demon devil. <laughs> um, That's which of course cool. you, yeah, right. And we've sort of talked about this. We'll be talking about a little bit of Sunday. So if you get those also in manuscripts and in churches, I mean, even not in graffiti, like, you know, so, um, there are other instances that are sort of potentially like little portraits of people, right? Like knights, saints. Um, so again, you get, of course, a variety of things. A lot of the graffiti, though, that we still have in at least like medieval England is in churches, castles sometimes, but right. But these are the buildings that are still around from the right. Middle Ages. Um, and so it's hard to say um, what you might have gotten if we had more access to places where like medieval streets where peasants walked up and down. Right. <laughs> sure. You know, things in a church are going to be presumably a little more deliberate and intentional. Um, and one of the things he points out is once you start, once they sort of started looking, you just start finding stuff. Yeah. You know, um, because things can be overlooked forever and ever, you know, cause they've worn away enough now on the stone that you need like a really strong light. But if you really flash it over, you'll realize that, Oh, this isn't just bumps in the stone. There's an etching there. Hmm. Yeah. Um, but it is this sort of interesting question of, you know, is some of it supposed to be magic? Is some of it just decorative? Is some of it just sort of like, I was here, I drew this thing. <laughs> is some of it protective? Like you're bored in church, you scratching on the wall or something. Yeah. Um, or, I mean, they some of them, though, do seem to be a little more purposeful a lot of the time. Mm -hmm. So that you... You clearly meant something out of it. <laughs> it's just a sort of question of, like, what... We don't necessarily know what people intended. Yeah. Right? What what they're trying to get across. Um, and again, it's interesting. There's so much of it in churches, which we would find weird. But obviously, they didn't, they didn't find weird. They did all the time. They didn't try to um, scrub it out or mm -hmm. wear it away. So they left it, which is why we still have it. Um... But it's also unclear if, um, you know, we might have a specific subsection of graffiti in churches, <laughs> right? That might be different from graffiti that was elsewhere, oh, but it's sure. hard to know because we don't, we haven't looked as much at elsewhere yet, right? Um, the medieval world hasn't gotten quite, you know, there's so much stuff. Mm -hmm. You need people to go in there and specifically look for it, um, which they're starting to, but... It's a sort of slow, slow go. Um, and then we should end probably with talking about um, Orkney. Oh, so yeah. You had read about this. Yeah. Yeah. This this has, um, I don't know, it came up somewhere and I remembered it. This uh, Stone Age burial mound, mm -hmm. I guess, in uh, Orkney. The Orkney Islands are, I guess, north of Scotland, kind of. Basically, the middle of nowhere, um, small yep. islands. And this graffiti dates from around 1153. Um, it was found in 1861 when they were excavating the mound. Um, the mound, is, I think we said, is Maysho, I think uh -huh. is how you would pronounce that. Um and apparently, a bunch of uh, Vikings were walking across 
the island in the winter, and there's a snowstorm, so they took refuge in this mound. And they were bored because they were hanging out in, you know, waiting for the snow to stop. And so they graffitied it. And uh, some of the graffiti is, I mean, it's great, right? Like, so-and-so, Ophram, the son of Sigurd, carved these runes. Hermund, Hardaxe, carved these runes. Um, These runes were carved by the man most skilled in runes in the Western Ocean, which is great. Yay. The one that was apparently at the very top of the wall said Thorfir, Thorfir, Holbeinson carved these runes high up. Um, some of them were more uh, salacious. Um, Ingeborg, the fair widow. Many a woman has walked stooping in here, a very showy person. Um, Ingerith is the most beautiful of all women, carved with a drawing of a dog next to it. Um, Thor- Thorny Thorny fucked. Uh, Helgi carved. And then some of them, some of the runes, um, I don't know, it's like trolling. It's like they're trying to say that there's a great treasure hidden nearby that, or that this treasure, treasure was stolen. Um, various stories like that to sort of, I don't know, amuse or distract whoever comes by next. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Also, in researching this, um, in one of those weird... Um, I don't know, moments that you have sometimes when you realize how widely people traveled before travel was, like, travel was a thing way before you think it was a thing, right? So yes. if you go to Hagia Sophia, which is in what is now Turkey, yes, um, there are Vikings who carved their names in it around the year 800. Yay. So, you know, that's a long trip. <laughs> it's a long trip. But, um, yeah. yeah. Also, I think that the... Yep. Halfdan was here. Yes. There's yes. a number of um, movies that focus around somebody from that, you know, from the Muslim world traveling to visit the Vikings. So I guess it's not impossible that the same thing happened in reverse. There is lots of trade way yep. before you think. So, yeah. Yep. There's also a second one um, that might say something like, Ari made it. Yeah. But yeah. <laughs> it's what so, you want to say when you've been traveling for a long time, right? So. Yep. That's what we think of, though, as the very traditional, like, just scratching that I was here. Right? Um, I kind of like it. It's like, you know, everybody has been... The same for a really long time in a certain in a certain way. Yeah, yeah. And also, um, the kind of reminder that um, again, literacy, right? Like, so the Vikings um, you know, carving runes around places mm-hmm. says a lot about literacy, right? That at least you can write your name and that you were there. <laughs> you know? Right. It's like all the guys who were hanging out in this, um, you know, this barrow or whatever were carving stuff because they were all bored. It's yeah. not just like one or two of them who had been educated. Right. Yeah. And it, it says a lot, yeah, about just mm-hmm. how much they can write. And the, the like, the runes that sort of um, 
talk about the treasure, like, that's a chunk of stuff, right? Um, Crusaders broke in, right? Uh, Leaf the Earl's cook carved these runes, so the Northwest is a great treasure hidden. Yes. Um, it was long ago the great treasure was hidden here. Happy is he that might find the great treasure. Um, I can alone bore treasure from this mound. Um, signed, Simon Sirith. Um, I know the Earl's cook implies that, you know, someone who was a cook. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, yeah. And obviously, you know, the sagas, like they were a very literate society. Um, so to this day, I mean, there's, there's sort of something interesting about, um, as in Pompeii, all the people, like you might not have read the Aeneid, but you all like know the first line. Mm-hmm. Which also kind of implies that a chunk of you could have read of some of it, or that, you know, it's out there. Enough people are reading it and know it that everyone kind of knows the first line. So if you think about, like, yeah, maybe not everyone has read Hamlet, but, like, lots of people have read or seen Hamlet. And more people than that know a lot of the lines. Yeah. (laughs) Um, So there really is an interesting connection sort of with literacy and the, the, the text... Um, the images tend to be more eclectic. Not always. Like, sometimes they're pretty obvious. Like, it's an animal or something. But you don't necessarily know what it means. Mm-hmm. Or if it has any meaning. Someone might just have drawn a bird. Right. Yeah. Put a bird on it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> um, but maybe the bird is symbolic for something and we just don't know it. You know. The bird represents happiness. Yeah. Or like ships, you know, ships are obviously, they're symbolic. We're talking about a lot of port cities. People are drawing ships everywhere, right? Throughout the ancient world, throughout the medieval world. But they're also drawing them in places that aren't necessarily coastal. Mm -hmm. So, you know, they mean something maybe more than just what we think they mean. Yeah. Yeah. Um, But just like graffiti today, I mean, it, it does mean something. But also sometimes it just says what it says yeah <laughs> you know i was gonna say what's the line um ships at a distance have every man's wish on board yeah yeah um and of course you know you think about speaking of sagas right the vikings but also like the odyssey i mean sea going oh, yeah. tales are important i guess <laughs> to everybody mm. or at least to yeah. many many cultures right? i was immediately thinking that if you were gonna start walking with your oar across your shoulder and then you have to check out the graffiti until you find a place where there are no ships drawn. Right. That's going to take you a while. <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. As we find out. I mean, that's sort of interesting. Yeah. Odysseus might not have known how hard that was going to be. Yeah. I was told at one point in my youth that there were a lot of ex-Navy people living in, like, Nebraska for that reason. Yeah. <laughs> so... And there you are, right? Yeah. You can go as far inland and you're not going to find people who don't know what an oar is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but it is. It's sort of this interesting reminder of how how old also certain things are, right? Ship imagery doesn't necessarily come up as much in fine art that's been preserved from the ancient world. Oh, yeah. But um, obviously it was iconic if people are using it in graffiti, mm-hmm. right? So, um, yeah, there are a lot of sort of interesting things that this tells us that need to be sort of incorporated into a lot of conversations where it hasn't been yet in a lot of cases. Um, because graffiti, it took a while for people to realize 
how important it could be. Mm-hmm. And for a long time, people only cared about the text images and not the um, pictorial images. Yes. So, um, so recognizing that the pictures also can have a lot to tell us. Yes. I'm especially interested in these um, little devils from the medieval churches. Yes. And we will put um, links to some of these things in the notes, so check it out. Yes. Uh, but yeah, these like some of these devils are really quite charming, if yeah. that's the right word for a devil. Yep. Um, I think we're going to have to leave it there. We're running a little bit long. Yes. So uh, thank you for talking to me, and thank you everyone for listening. Just check us out at uh, askmedievalist.com. Rate us on whatever app you use. Shout our name out into the universe. Tweet at us, whatever. And keep washing your hands and keep it medieval. Ask a Medievalist is a production of This Can't Be That Hard Studios and is not endorsed, acknowledged, or condoned by Virginia Commonwealth University or any of its constituent departments. Our theme music is Veni Veni Venias from Carmina Burana by Carl Orff, performed by the MIT Concert Choir and licensed under a Creative Commons attributional non-commercial license version 3.0. If you enjoyed our podcast, please rate us and leave a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. Also, why not tell a friend? For more on today's topic, including sources, annotations, and corrections, visit our website at www.askamedievalist.com. And if you have questions, feel free to drop us an email at questions at askamedievalist.com. 